0: Welcome to Series 3 of the Tim Hill Podcast. In the last two series, I've told you about my life. I've met many interesting people along the way who have become my friends and what they all have in common is they have fascinating stories of their own which they are happy to share with you now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, we're going to have a chat with Jill. Jill's gonna tell us all about her life. So Jill, if you can tell us where and when you were born, and if you can describe what it was like, where you grew up, the sort of schools you went to, and the education that you received. Hi there, Tim, thanks very much.
1: So I was born, as you can no doubt hear from my accent, in Liverpool in 1965. My dad was um, a junior, executive for Dunlop at the Green Flash factory in Walton. And I was born in Walton Hospital, which is the same hospital that Paul McCartney was born in apparently. But I didn't stay for long in Liverpool because he had the opportunity uh, with Dunlop to go and work abroad. So when I was nine months old, we went to live in India. Um, And so my first four years was in India. Um, in a very sort of uh rarefied existence, I think we lived in a house in uh, Madras, which had ten servants, and uh, we had a very <laughs> a very different life from how I would have
0: grown up in uh, in Liverpool. that's for sure absolutely so so you're down in Madras, so can you remember much of that time? I think I can remember
1: bits. Apparently I used to speak Hindi um, fluently when I, as I I was, you know, as a very, very young child, but I don't remember being able to and I certainly don't remember it now. Mm. Um, But we lived there um, and then also in Calcutta too. We moved in. We lived in two places in India: Madras and then Calcutta.
0: Well, we weren't, you weren't in, we're in the right. black hole, then?
1: No, no. Unfortunately, we we're the other end of town from the black hole of Calcutta. <laughs> Fortunately, we didn't get put in the black hole. But I, I, mean, I just remember uh, what I remember about India might be supplemented by visits that we then had back when I was an older, older child. Uh, we had lots of friends there. We'd go back and see them. Um, and I remember because my I was the youngest of four daughters. Most Indian families would just commiserate with my father for having four daughters and no sons, and I remember that being a really, uh, a really, you know, funny memory. <laughs> um, being fed lots of sweet food a lot of the time, and having my cheeks sort of grabbed and chucked a lot (laughs) as a child. Um, But yeah, they were very, very happy childhood um, in in India, certainly.
0: Excellent. So growing up in India, so first four years in India, you had four older sisters, you say? Yes.
1: yeah, No, three 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 older sisters. sisters And um, they, only Nikki, my next sister up, um, came out to live in India as well. My other two sisters went to boarding school. Um, which they, you know, either, I don't think they were particularly happy in boarding school. So I, I, I got away with it. I never went to boarding school at all. I, I stayed with my parents because I was so young. Um, but after, after four years in India, the next place my dad got sent to was Trinidad in the West Indies. Trinidad and
0: Tobago or just Trinidad?
1: Just Trinidad. <laughs> we were down, right down the toe of the boot in a little place called Point Fortin um, in Trinidad. And so was, what did your father do? He he would go in and sort of be like a general manager for a, a, a rubber factory. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he worked for Dunlop in various guises. He was in the Merchant Na- Navy, actually, before um, when he was a young man and uh, left the Merchant Navy and went on to a kind of management programme um, with Dunlop when he was about 27, 28, and um, that then... You know, he had a full career from all his life. He worked for Dunlop um, until, you know, he died at 60. And, you know, he, he he worked for Dunlop in the Merchant Navy. That was his employment
0: all his life. All right. So, and, and dragged you around with him. So yeah. what what was life like in Tobago or Trinidad?
1: It was quite, it was good. I mean, it was a great life for a child. You know, we, we had a lived on the edge of a golf course, um, and at the top of the hill from where I lived was a sort of club. We would go and I'd do lots of swimming and uh, cycling around, you know, felt very free. In fact, um, as an adult looking, now looking back, it, it wasn't actually very free because um, at the time there was a lot of um, unrest, I suppose, and uh, conflict between um, the, you know, the, the things like the Black Power movement, who who felt that, The expats from Britain and Holland, Holland, who worked for Shell and Dunlop, you know, were ostentatiously much wealthier than the locals. So there was some conflict there. And we had guards um, on our house every night. We had a housekeeper in Trinidad who was a witch and put curses on us as a family. (laughs) And my dad took my mum for a romantic weekend in Caracas in Venezuela. And uh, uh, our lovely maid Claudette came and told him that Rita, the the housekeeper, had put a curse on the plane and that he wasn't to go because the plane would probably crash. Uh, In fact, the plane didn't crash and my dad never told my mum <laughs> <laughs> that the <laughs> that the plane had a curse on it um you know rita would steal my uniform my school uniforms to make spells out of etc so oh it was
0: right. so she made a doll with stick pins in yeah you. exactly did you ever feel any pain
1: i i didn't ever feel <laughs> yeah. any pain um i think once at the beach we did see a kind of voodoo uh kind of ceremony uh with people rushing into the sea in kind of a state of ec- ecstasy which was quite unnerving really but um yeah no rita rita did get the heave ho once um once the cursing <laughs> 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 once the cursing <laughs> stories came out um but you know lovely uh, a lovely time and um you, you know very very lucky to have that unusual you know childhood that's obviously where I started school and I went to the local school, had lots of very, you know, multiracial, multicultural friends um, as I was growing up, and then left there probably in yes, about sort of 71, 72, and went to live in New Zealand after that. And that's um that was my sort of f- uh final, <laughs> final <laughs> exotic place to live, really, was uh, New Zealand. And that was for another four years, and I came back to England with a very very New Zealand accent um, when I All was right. twelve. Yeah.
0: So whereabouts in New Zealand? South or North Island?
1: North Island in New Zealand. Um, we lived in a place called Lower Hut, which is the nearest big city was Wellington. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that was a you know that was fabulous because we you know my parents tr- just tried to see as much of the places we lived in as possible. And, uh, you know, we traveled all the, way, all the way around New Zealand, stopped off in Australia. And, um, you know, on the way back to on the way back to UK, my dad used to get long leave every three years. He would come back to the UK for about two months, I think. And um, we would go back often via India uh, and see mm. people we knew. So that's how I that that's supplemented my memories as I was saying earlier. Mm. But yeah, so it's a, it was a really exciting childhood. You know, it was very lucky, really lucky. And what about your sisters? Um, did they did they stay
0: with you or? No, they, they
1: were all at bo- They were they were all at boarding school, so it's quite a big age gap between all of us. So my big sister is uh, thirteen years older than me. So I never really lived with Penny. Um, she became she was went into nursing, um, and uh, my other sisters were fairly well spaced out in between Penny and myself. So you know, I didn't live with them very much and that's why holidays were so precious because when they would come home during the holidays um, it was just I absolutely loved it and the four of us are actually very close considering we are very far apart in age.
0: Mm. So you enjoyed their company when they did come home then?
1: Yeah really enjoyed their company and when they did, they, did come did home. Did they pick on your saw? <laughs> oh,
0: of course <laughs> well they but, just thought I mean they just
1: thought probably rightly so that I was an a, a really spoiled brat yes. and I was, and I was a spoiled brat, you know, I had, I'd grown up this really strange life, you know, with servants and, you know, it was, it was an extraordinarily different life from how you would have a, have a childhood in the UK. And yeah. I had to learn when I came back to the UK, you know, to basically pick up my own stuff,
0: <laughs> which was a bit of a shock. <laughs> oh, oh. What what about sort of schooling? I
1: uh, just went to the local schools um, in Trinidad and in New Zealand. I think I, I was uh, I went to a school called Hut Valley Intermediate um, <laughs> in New Zealand. I would have gone to the high school had we stayed there any longer. Mm. But when we came back to the UK, we went to um, live in Birmingham in Sutton Coalfield. And I just went to the local comprehensive school that we lived near, strictly comprehensive school.
0: And what was the the, the education there like? Was ha, were were you, were you disadvantaged at all by by the education you got, or or were you better streamed?
1: Um, or, uh, you know, I, it was it was like middle school in New Zealand, so I I don't recall it it being particularly different from coming back and going to a. middle school in in the uk it i don't remember it being a problem transferring from Mm. one one system to another system the biggest the biggest problem was being bullied because i came back with a new zealand accent (laughs) that was really seriously the biggest problem and it had been the biggest problem moving from trinidad to new zealand was having an an well i did have a west indian accent but i i kind of dropped that one yeah but i was different so coming into (coughs) a new zealand school i was teased for being a pom and then when I came back to England I was teased because I was you know a Kiwi so yeah those were those were relatively difficult you know but they normally sort of calmed down when people got used
0: to used to the difference so and so so it was about 12 when you came back yeah the so so you'd been in sort of second year of a senior school yeah so you kind of sort of slid in there yeah didn't have too many problems with, with, with transitioning. No. So, when you finished school or, or towards the end of your school, so what what did you sort of do? Did you take, uh, did you stay on and, and do the A levels or did you do? Um...
1: No, I stayed on. I did A levels and I suppose started to think about what I wanted to do when I, you know, when I left school. I did quite well at school, so university was always going to be an option. Um, Probably without thinking too much about it. I did, I went to university in London, University College London, and because I had already worked out then what I wanted to do, which was to join the army, um, I, I didn't think too deeply about what course I did. And I ended up opting for a degree in medieval archaeology, mainly on the back of the fact that I was in love with Indiana Jones
0: from the uh...
1: greatness <laughs> of the Lost Ark. <laughs> I didn't think too deeply about it. <laughs> the result of which I was a fairly poor
0: student. <laughs> <laughs> that is so random. It is random. It is, it is.
1: It was a random choice. Um, yeah. But I think before, um, just before I went to university, it was the, had been the Falklands War. And I remember watching um, on television, you know, the troops getting on to ships and sailing off to the Falklands. I suppose I am a bit of a romantic person, really. And I just thought that was the most amazing thing ever. And, you know, I I just felt I've got to be part of something like that, Mm. you know you know, which is what do you consider I've never, ever been put in harm's way ever in 22 <laughs> years in the army, you know, <laughs> um, which is, is a bit ironic. But I, I just felt I wanted to belong to something like that, you know, a, an organisation, a, a military organisation and be part of that, um, mm. which so that that was always then from that moment, that was what I wanted to do.
0: So just just looking back at your university, did you actually complete your degree?
1: I did. I got a, a second class honours <laughs> degree. <laughs> oh, well, lower lower order, <laughs> two two, um, yeah. and uh, in medieval archaeology. But um, when I went to university, I joined the uh, officer training corps, London uh, University officer training corps, uh-huh. and so that's really what yeah. I spent my time doing. Um, I got a. I then went did my sort of selection for the army and my second year and I got uh, got in and I got a bursary for my final year. So I was, you know, then I had a bit more money than the average mm-hmm. student in my third year. Um, but yeah, I was a pretty poor student. I have to confess, I didn't work <laughs> terribly hard. I worked much harder at OTC
0: than I worked uh, it at... It sounds the like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got your place at the Chappie factory.
1: Yes, I did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so when, when did you go off to, to Sandhurst?
1: So that was... Um, 1986, September 1986. Um and because of being in the University Officer Training Corps, I think I, you know, you were luckier than the people who came in straight off the street with no idea about anything to do with looking after your kit. Um so that was those sort of aspects were easier and coping with the discipline, I suppose, and early morning starts and, and the the regimented way of doing things, you know, it wasn't a totally new thing to me and i, I also i also joined up with a, a really good friend that i'd you know we'd met at in the first year at university and you know we're still friends now and you know mm. so we went through Santos together which was um, made things more bearable but it, we girls had been at Santos then for about two or two or more years i think by the mm. time i went <laughs> so we weren't the first set of girls but we were you know early on yeah, um, and you know that was just—I mean, they—they they did used to treat you, you know, pretty shoddily. Really, mm. you know. Um, were you in
0: mixed platoon? No, we we had, had our girls, own girls uh, Yeah,
1: so we were in old college. We were in 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 Windsor Company, and we were sort of kept separately from the boys. Obviously, they couldn't possibly separate us from the boys because <laughs> <laughs> they were, you know. <laughs> That was quite a good uh, a good part of Sandhurst then, but um, you know it was it was strange. So we would go to tactics lectures, but we would we would be listening to lecture five, nine and 20. Mm. The boys would have listened from one till 20. And then they would say, well, have any of the girls got anything sensible to say or questions (laughs) to ask? And of course, because we hadn't actually been to most of the lectures because we were doing the manual of military law or some such Mm. other subject. Um, you know, we we always ended up sounding a bit ignorant, and uh, they would they'd love that, you know. So it it was a bit of a misogynistic place at the time, mm. um, and I, I have been back since, and I think there's that I know how much the army's changed in that regard. But it it was, yeah. I didn't I wouldn't say it was the best six months of my life, but mm. um, you know, got through it, and um, yeah. So you only did the six
0: months commission.
1: It was a six-month commissioning course. Then they're always changing it, so yeah. you know it was. I think before that it had been nine months. Then they changed it to six months, and then it's now a year, I think. So mm. or nine months again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, so first, um, first posting once you're commissioned.
1: First posting oh, was before you do oh. that.
0: Who was on the sovereign's pride?
1: Oh yes, that's very important. The, the, it was the important um, question. It was, it was the Princess of Wales. Oh. in her very famous uh, cream suit with the uh, gold frogging on it oh. she was our inspecting officer um which was fabulous actually um she didn't talk to me she she walked past me but i just remember you know thinking gosh you know she's absolutely gorgeous as so she walked past this presence yeah. you know beautiful blue eyes and lovely complexion <laughs> very tall so uh yes it was it was very memorable
0: and that was a good day then. That was some, a really the, good day. The sun shone, and
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, it didn't yeah. rain. <laughs> I never remember that it didn't rain.
0: And uh, you managed to get your sword drill right.
1: Oh, we didn't have swords in those days. Um, they they were in an agony of indecision about apparently with the girls about what we should what we should hold when we were marching, um, and although we were not, well, I suppose we were non-combatants at that time in nineteen eighty six. We did weapon training in pistols yeah. and SMG, a uh, submachine gun, but we weren't expected to ever use them
0: mm. in
1: our professional lives. Um, had so we had didn't... the,
0: um, the SAA to come in by then? Or no, it was SLR. No, it was still SLR. It's yeah, a still SLR. weapon, the it SLR.
1: Is, love, very good, very <laughs> nice weapon, SLR. Um, but, you know, so when we were marching, uh, again, we, were, we didn't wear blues as they wear today, they wear the same uniform as the boys today. Um, then we wore this um, quite, I mean, it was a smart uniform in Lovett green with a little little dark blue, dark green tab tie. And uh, oh, we yeah. marched with, um, I Lovely. think there was one point they talked about us marching with our handbags. And fortunately, <laughs> some sensible person said, no, <laughs> don't for God's sake, do that to them. So we marched with these little canes.
0: <clears throat> so it was a... Uh... Women's Royal Army Corps. About,
1: about yeah, eight. so I was commissioned into the Women's Royal Army Corps because you didn't you didn't have a choice then to yeah. be commissioned into any, into anything else. But I didn't stay in that branch. I that I was permanently employed with the Royal Corps of Transport, or as they used to be known as rickshaws, Which cabs, and taxis. And taxi. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, and of course, technically, I I was still Women's Royal Army Corps, and I I did. I was unfortunate enough to meet a very uh, fierce, aggressive female warrant officer <laughs> in Germany. And I was wearing my Royal Corps Transport blue beret and cap badge, which she took great exception to, <laughs> because apparently I should have been wearing my WRAC green beret, but I wasn't <laughs> going to ever do that. Um, but uh, yeah, so my first my first posting was uh, as a troop commander um, in 38th uh, Squadron Royal Arm- Royal core of transport out in mulheim in Germany near Dusseldorf
0: and what um what vehicles did they have were they, they tank had, transporters or no they, no they had
1: 16 ton Fodens. oh right so I had 16 16 ton Fodens in my troop they
0: were drops wagons were
1: they no they were just um they were just transport wagons really Oh, yeah. right, just
0: yeah. a, sort of a mix of flatbeds and yeah flatbeds and, yeah and tilts on and stuff yeah, like that yeah flatbeds And generally. then just Delivering stores around Germany, was it? Yeah, tank
1: tracks and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, like that.
0: Yeah. So how long was you on that posting for?
1: That was two years. Two years long. Um, And that was, yeah, that was, oh, it was a bit of a mixed tour because my father died um, halfway through that tour. And, um, you know, that was, it did colour it a little bit. But Mm. it was it was good. It was a good place to be. It was a good place to be in Germany. Yeah. And it was a good job to have as well at the time. As a girl, it was a great job to have.
0: Yeah, did you get to travel around a lot? Did you see a lot of Germany?
1: Well, I saw a fair bit of Germany. Um you know did quite a bit of um climbing. I used to have a a qualification in the army called the top rope and abseiling supervisor. I don't think it it would um it wouldn't pass muster today, <laughs> but I used to do I used to go down to the Harz mountains and to Bavaria and yeah. you know do walking, climbing, that kind of thing. Uh, Quite a fair bit with my troop. That was great.
0: Yeah, back in I guess that was still the Cold War. Mm. Um, So, had a a trip
1: to had a trip to Berlin. um, Did you go up on the train? Yes, went up on the train. That was my favorite duty. Mm. It was brilliant.
0: I was in I was in Berlin from uh, 1978 uh, 1978 to eighty. And um, out of all the duties that you get in Berlin, because it is pretty much a duty station, yeah. Um, the train was by far the favourite. Yeah, and and, and, and <laughs> used to sort of pay people to get their duty train if they if they got the train, say. So, you know, can I go and do the train? I'll for Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just no, to get it was it was
1: fantastic. I mean, you went, ended up eating vast amounts on the train because I oh, think yeah. they, I think it was a propaganda thing. You know, every time you were yeah. you were going past a big station, they would see you lot on the British train yeah. eating with waiter <laughs> waiter service and silver, you know, silver service. Yeah. It was Pro, something proper else. Pullman style. Yeah, really, really old, really old fashioned. It was. Old,
0: it really was it was a brilliant, brilliant duty. It was. It was.
1: Yeah, we were lucky because um, my troop did three weeks in Berlin on um the Berlin Tattoo Relief. Yeah. Um so that was just fantastic. Yeah. yeah I've still so. got a great photograph of my troop, um, you know, the other on the the other side of the wall.
0: Yeah. Um, you did you did a flag tour then?
1: Yeah, it was just great. Yeah.
0: yeah really fun. Just- really fun. Through Checkpoint Charlie, all dressed in number two dress. Yes, that's right. Yeah. We used to go over there into East Berlin a lot. Yeah. Uh, That was another, one of my favourite duties. You go across in the morning on a a flag tour, you're sat in a big Opal, (laughs) a Blue Imperial, and you just drive around. And when you go through Checkpoint Charlie, you picked up a a tail either East German or Russian, and and they'd spend the day following you around. (laughs) There's a few places you had to go and visit. There was a, a museum, and there's a couple of places, the the, the, the um, tomb of the unknown warrior, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that was that was a really a, another really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just
1: feel really privileged to have done it because I'm, I remember speaking to a really young officer a, a few years ago who had no idea about Berlin. I mean, it just shows you how time moves on. People don't yeah. forget, you know, that, that there was that Cold War. Uh, you. Did a few inner German border tours and stuff like that. You know, uh, it's all gone now. You know,
0: yeah, completely different. I can remember doing a site guard when we was in Munster, and um, oh, that was horrible, Jerry. You just guarding this nuclear (laughs) bunker site, which was just no fun at all. No, I can imagine, Uh, especially in the middle of winter. (laughs) Really horrible. Really horrible. So from. Germany, where so did you go next? Germany,
1: uh, okay. then I came back to Chepstow, which was at the time um, an army apprentice college oh, and wow. for the engineers, the Royal Engineers. And I went there because the Royal Corps Transport had about six marine engineers, uh, apprentices there. So they had one RCT troop commander and that was me. And um, yeah, I had a that was a really good that was a really good uh, assignment because, yeah,
0: because they, they were all junior soldiers. They ain't?
1: were all junior soldiers, <laughs> so you were looking after junior soldiers, but also you had a very regimented program because it was a training school. Yeah. So you knew when you were going to be off. It was a fantastic part of the world, Chepstow. You know, you had the Wye Valley yeah. and Wales all all there
0: on the doorstep.
1: Yeah, on the doorstep. So that was fantastic. Really enjoyed that tour.
0: Mm. So did you get to do, obviously, quite a bit of adventurous training was involved uh, with junior soldiers?
1: Yep. Uh, again, a lot of a lot of walking, etc. I had done a bit of skiing in Germany. I'd learnt to learn to ski in Germany. But um, in in Chepstow, it was, you know, whitewater rafting and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, mm. really good fun.
0: Excellent. So so two year posting again?
1: Another two year posting, I got married at the end of that posting, married to Rob, who was also a troop commander there. Um, and um, and then he went off to Germany. And that was uh, actually that coincided with the first Gulf War. Yeah. Um, he went off to Germany. I then was still at Chepso for a bit. And then I went off to Germany as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Where was your next posting in Germany?
1: Uh, Next posting was in Bielefeld, um, which was the home at that time of Headquarters 1BR Corps. Uh, I was second in command of a transport squadron, 14 uh, 14 transport squadron, which was uh, kind of one of the supporting squadrons for the the headquarters, Mm. for the support battalion, which supported the headquarters.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, my claim to fame in that tour was I brought in... Higher vehicles instead of army-owned and maintained vehicles for the senior officers. Oh, that was the most. That was the biggest hassle of <laughs> all. Was placating so senior officers who were well. No, that you see, they felt it was a big come down because the, that the the contract car at that stage was a Vectra or something, and you know oh, right. they had had yeah. much nicer cars. They would had yes. Granadas and all the rest of it. So they were very difficult about. Having their cars taken off them and these new hire cars <laughs> you know, replacing them, and you know, you just had to make sure you tried to get the you know the RMP commander wanted to have uh, you know a red car. Yeah, that was a bit tricky. You know, <laughs> so that was that was quite an interesting, and then my the other half of the squadron was just staff cars, and then the other half of the squadron was um, was all box bodies. You know, mm. the the kind of headquarters vehicles yeah. that uh, would go out and support the headquarters in the field.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you didn't didn't actually get to go to the Gulf?
1: So I time. didn't go to the Gulf I didn't go to the Gulf. Rob didn't go to the Gulf. All we did was put up with the mess of everything coming back or oh. trying to get things back from the Gulf, vehicles, et cetera. I can imagine. And and that actually was a real pain. Yeah. It mm. was it was it was
0: tricky. Yeah. So two years in Bielefeld? Two and, years in
1: Bielefeld. Uh, I tr- at that stage I transferred um out of the Royal Corps of Transport into the um what used to be the Royal Army Educational Corps but by that stage was um part of the Adjutant General's Corps mm. the Education Training and Service Education Training Services branch um and I did that because I thought at the time that if I stayed in the army f- all the way through that it would be much easier to have postings together with Rob if I was in yeah. The ETS rather than the Royal Corps of Transport, which didn't generally follow anywhere the end, the Royal Engineers were because he was in the <laughs> Royal Engineers. Um, so I transferred. I had lots of friends who were uh, instructional officers in the mm. uh, ETS so, uh, they, yeah. and they seemed to be pretty happy, so I, I moved across
0: to them. Yeah, so ETS kind of was everywhere. Yeah, yeah ETS was everywhere. I mean, I mean, everywhere. Yeah. I mean infantry battalions had the ETS yeah. officer uh, along with, with just about yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Um, so exactly. a, any sort of headquarters as as a, a branch. So
1: yeah. So when I when I did that I then I had another two years in in, in, in um, ah. and in Guttersloe.
0: Um
1: we were both in Gutterslow for a while then.
0: Had uh, that changed over to Javelin or was it still RAF Gutterslow?
1: It started off um when Rob first went to Gutterslow. it was RAF Gutterslow, Um and it changed whilst we were there. Mm. Um he was in RF Guteslow. I was in Bielefeld. And then um, when it changed, they moved the Education Centre 51 AEC from Bielefeld to Guttersloe. So I, I moved with the Education Centre. So then I was in the same... We were in the same town together. Mm. Oh, that's useful. Which was useful, which was useful, yeah. <laughs> which maybe maybe the reason why then I was expecting my first baby. I don't know. <laughs> so...
0: So what, what came along next then after Gutterslow? Yeah,
1: baby well, yeah. Um, baby and leaving the army. Um, I didn't have to leave on pregnancy, but uh, I suppose I was quite traditional really at the time and um, I couldn't see how we could both be serving and have a family and I didn't want to have a nanny. Mm. Um, so that Gutterslow tour, uh, I... I I think I did one more tour. I went to Dortmund for about six months whilst I was pregnant, and served out my eight years short service commissioned in Dortmund. So I left the army for the first time in Dortmund, mm-hmm. um, and um, had Jamie. And we, by that stage, we had moved to um, Rhindarlen oh, right. uh, with, with Rob's job in Rhindarlen. And that, that was the
0: headquarters in Rhindarlen. Yeah, was that it? was
1: the big headquarters in Rhindarlen. Yeah,
0: yeah, been there a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a funny story about about <laughs> Ryan Darlin'. Um, I came down there. I was driving for for one of the bosses, who had a meeting down there, and we were stopping overnight. And I went into the big naffy there, and uh, I was all on my jack. I looked around, thought, "Here's a tidy looking bird. I go and have a chat with her." <laughs> That was a bit of a mistake. <laughs> Her girlfriend came along a deck base.
1: Oh yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Well, Ryan Darling's 68 Squadron was uh, was well known, well renowned And this is at a time when homosexuality was obviously um not allowed yes. in the army, but uh, it was it was rife in, in, in 68 squadron, that's for sure.
0: Mm. But there, there you go, that's my little story
1: yeah, of Ryan Yeah, yeah, very funny.
0: So what came next? So you've got Jamie. I've
1: got Jamie. Um for a while I just had a very 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 nice life of just being um kind of a a, a lady who lunched. Um we would um yeah. dump our kids in the crèche and we'd go off <laughs> and have breakfast and do, do lunch in some nice German places. Go off to the Dutch border, etc. No, it was um, it was a it was a really nice a nice time actually, and and then we came back to the UK. We got posted back to the UK, um, mm-hmm. to Newcastle, and Rob was a training major in Newcastle,
0: um, for a for
1: a TA engineer regiment, yeah, yeah down in Gateshead, so. and so we lived in a place called Jesmond for a while, and that was horrible. Hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Very lonely didn't have any friends didn't know but know, know anybody. Um, it was a long way to anyone else I knew in the UK. you know I was yeah. quite pleased to be coming back to the UK after such a long time in Germany. but actually it was a miserable tour uh, mm. for me and I probably made Rob miserable because I was miserable <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so it was it was it was yeah it was hard um, you know and Jamie was a you know a toddler at the time so yeah. it was it was it was not a, yeah. a time I, I relished particularly
0: never was a um, lot of fun is it no when you, no when you it's quite hard being isolated
1: a, yeah so it was a real it was a real moment of feeling like it is to be an army wife sometimes mm-hmm. um and because we were in a civilian place we we lived yeah it was hard to meet people who didn't think you had two heads because well a i had the wrong accent i was <laughs> from the south and b you know i was an army wife and you yeah know, people thought well, why would you want to invest in someone who's not going to be around for very long so it's hard mm. to kind of make those connections yeah um but it was you know it was fine and um and then at the end of that 7 months he got posted back to um germany so we went back to Hamelm, oh, right. um which was really a fabulous place yeah yeah uh, no, I was in Mulheim. Oh, uh, Mulheim, yeah, yes, yes, so yes. A, a further e- further yeah. east. But Hameln is a beautiful town. It was yes. absolutely lovely.
0: Yes, really it that. wasn't touched by the war, was it? No. So it's no, it's, no, it's, it's really a bit amazing. like Sella. Yes, seller wasn't yeah. touched by the war, although it had Belsen just up the road from it. Yeah. Um, the actual town of of Sella wasn't touched, and yeah. and you know, we the battalion was there for a long time. Yeah.
1: No, really nice, and and you felt you were re- really in Germany, you know, whereas. Yeah. When you're near the Dutch border you're always thinking especially as a sort of young single person you're often yeah. thinking how do I get back home yeah. you know to see a boyfriend or whatever <clears throat> whereas you know once you were that far east yeah. you really just put down your roots and and, and, and accepted enjoy, it and enjoy really enjoyed Germany.
0: it yeah. yeah yeah definitely I mean I, can, I, I I can never quite understand why guys want to just go home weekends I mean travel from from Germany all the way back to the UK. For, for, for one night and then had to travel all the way back yeah. again uh, for Monday morning. And oh, I just...
1: know. I used to kill, I, I nearly killed myself a couple of times doing that from Mulheim. I um, yeah. had a, a boyfriend back in England and I used to drive home, you know, via Calais, the, yeah. the, the, run, the, the suicide run to Calais. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know how I, I honestly don't know how I survived it. <laughs> and then on Monday morning I'd get yeah. back for, you know, I wouldn't have slept before seven o'clock parade. Yeah. Uh, do the parade and then literally go and crawl under my desk and hope my <laughs> staff sergeant you know, was, didn't drop me in it, which he never did, obviously, because he was loyal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was yeah. rough. So I, I can remember a couple of times coming back from Munster and doing that trip on the weekend. Uh, yeah, I sort of gave up after mm. a while and just enjoyed Germany.
1: Yeah, yeah. Definitely, which the is right, what the right thing all to do. About. Exactly, I
0: understand that the army is is moving back into Germany. I don't know in how many numbers. I heard something on the on the, the, the grapevine that um, they're looking at um, setting up a few places just to I
1: presume it must be all around training areas. Then,
0: yeah, probably that worst Lager in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. Where do we go from there?
1: Uh where are we? We're in Hameln, Hameln aren't we? Yeah. Um yeah, I had a I had a little job. I worked on the Hameln Garrison Magazine um and I also had um, my next son uh Hugh who was born out in who was born in Hameln at the local hospital. Um so kind of family complete by that stage. Mm-hmm. Um and and then we came back from Hameln to Shrivenham. Uh, oh, Rob did a year at Shrivenham and uh, so staff college course. There. Yeah. <coughs> so he came back for that. And again, that was that was a fun year because I don't know what happens. I think it's probably everyone is on the staff course. They're all the same age. They're all in their yeah. kind of 30s. Um, they're all breeding furiously. <laughs> um so <laughs> there were like <laughs> loads and loads of young children around and we were all of a, of an age yeah uh, it was a you know made some good friends who have still still maintain uh mm. now um and uh you know it was a it was a good year actually
0: yeah yeah so you're in at uh, the, the at yeah. on the staff college course so where did you end up next after uh, obviously end up got... in salisbury yeah promoted promoted major of, of at the end of the course
1: he was yeah, he was yeah. a major at the end of the course, um came to Salisbury uh, and uh, and then really all went peak tong. <laughs> 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 so sadly, uh, sadly, our marriage did not survive um in Salisbury, and um, we split up oh, that's at that at that stage, which was pretty horrible. And then I think Rob went off to Iraq for 6 months and I moved out of the quarter into the house I'm still in now with the boys. I had a job at that point as well. I had um, I worked for the Hive Information Service which was a oh. a service that was yeah. was started up by army wives for army wives originally. Yeah. Um well not just army wives but service wives really. It was a voluntary service and they were in the process of trying to professionalize it a bit more so mm. they um, employed us as um, employed people as regional managers, and I had about fifteen hives in the southwest that I used to manage. Yeah, um, I used I mean, to drive around the countryside doing. Used that. to give out
0: lots and lots of information.
1: Loads of information yeah. about you know if you were if you were new in the new in a location, yeah. you'd get lots of information from the hive and um, you know real proper local knowledge and almost like a yeah. bef- befriending service really for families.
0: Mm so where did you go from there then so at that that, that stage i just had
1: my head down really and was surviving just kind of getting through a divorce and my whole focus really was about um making sure i had enough money you know not that rob was or has ever been on unfair on that on that score he's been very good but you know it it is a financial sort of calamity getting divorced It, it you know, you can't really <laughs> dodge it. It just is, and um, it it was. You know, it was just. It was just quite tough, really, yeah. doing that. Um, so, just just had my head down really, yeah. and just seeing concentrating on the boys, making yeah. sure that that was. What were age were they high. then? Um, oh, I suppose Jamie was about eleven. Hugh was seven when we finally, you know, split. Mm. But we'd had about three years of turbulent times. Um, you know. Initially, you know, he was about four when yeah. the whole thing sort of kicked off. Really, that uh, did result in the in our in our marriage ending. Mm. So they were very young.
0: So they obviously stayed with you. They
1: stayed with me, and then we yeah went to, we used, yeah, in, I went to in school Salisbury. in Salisbury. Yep. Yeah, yeah, went to schools locally, which was fine. I mean, Salisbury's a lovely place to live, and you know, I had established friends there, which was really good. Mm. So. Yeah, So I, and I still live there, so it must be, can't be too bad, can it? <laughs> oh,
0: oh whatever. Yeah,
1: so, so after that, I, you know, we're talking about financially. I think the boys had got a bit older. Jamie was 14, well well established at secondary school. Hugh was 11, just um, starting to go to s- secondary school. And I was fed up with being broke, basically. Mm. Um, you know, I was still, my job with High was still, only um the salary was only the same as i'd got when i had left the army as a captain Mm. you know yeah years 14 years beforehand (laughs) um and i just thought i can't go on like this i've got to get a better job um and someone said to me well have you looked at full-time reserve service with the army and i thought oh what's this and uh you know, they explained that if you'd been in the regular army, you could rejoin on a commitment basis, you know, a, a limited commitment basis. Yeah. You know, the salaries were much better. They were the same salaries as, as a, a reservist would get. So I thought that sounded like a good idea. So I applied for a job as welfare officer for um, 12 Brigade Signal Squadron, Headquarters and Signal Squadron in Bulford. Mm-hmm. And I think I was the only one who applied for the
0: job. <laughs> Fairly easy to get that one, then. <laughs> stiff, stiff competition nod. Yeah, no. Well, I thought they looked quite
1: grateful when I got it, when I came into the room. <laughs> and I didn't realise why. <laughs> oh, thank God someone's turned up. So I, I, I did that job for two turns of the wheel. I did that job for five years as a welfare officer. Um, Tough. And it was hard. It was hard work.
0: um I can imagine. Yeah. I'd, I'd say I'd, I did eight years as a, a unit welfare officer yeah. for London Central Garrison, and I think I, I, I'm not sure I could have carried on much longer. No, I was. I, I didn't realise how much
1: of a strain it was, but you, it was until I'd given it up and I handed over the duty phone, and mm. I thought, oh, I don't have to worry about that ringing in the middle of the night anymore, yeah. and someone's saying, "Oh, you know." Corporal, you know, numb Nuts has gone and tried to hang himself. He's in Salisbury Hospital. They're releasing him. You yeah. know, can you come and pick him up? <laughs> All right then. <laughs> so,
0: stop, you know, stop becoming nightmares. Oh, I know.
1: Or <laughs> well, you know, going into, you know, going into someone's house where their, you know, husband was away on a on an Afghan tour and you, you know, Yeah. cooking Great her a meals. meal, you know, because she had run out of money and stuff you, yeah. you know that kind of thing it was it was it was it was yeah tough and for one of the periods you know a year when they were deployed um you know the pre the pre-training and then the deployment and the post uh post tour stuff you know i that was pretty hard work
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah so uh, we didn't quite have to, uh, that many people away because the you know, london central garrison was uh, predominantly ceremonial stuff, but we had uh, individual augmentees go off, and, and we had to to manage them yeah. um, and and look after their families while I yeah. was away. So yeah, it was a it was a challenging job. Yeah. I say that. Yeah. So is. five years as a welfare officer for yeah, 12 signal regiment,
1: and then the next job I got um, was in service complaints.
0: talk about a glutton for punishment
1: oh god it gets worse (laughs) so so I did two years in service complaints but it was it was a major's job so I'd come back in as a captain because you come you do the rank you you left and uh, so I came back in as a captain uh, and then I got acting rank of major um, to do that job it was a staff job in headquarters and that was yeah, that was quite painful. I'm not going to lie. You know, listening, reading people's complaints all the time. It was interesting. What years was that?
0: Well, I think I may have crossed.
1: Um, twenty thirteen, I think to twenty fifteen. I believe. Pretty sure it was the about then.
0: I think I think I may have come up there and seen you one time.
1: Oh, maybe, maybe.
0: But we had, we had we had a, a service complaint going through and. Uh, I came up to, and that, that was in Army Headquarters.
1: That's Army Headquarters, yes. Yes, yes.
0: yeah. I, I, I thought I'd seen you before. Ah. <laughs> the pen is just kind of dropped.
1: Right. I actually quite enjoyed speaking to people <clears throat> face to face because sometimes because it, it's a very um, it's quite a legalistic process, and units are very afraid of getting it wrong, and they often make you know quite a lot yeah. of mistakes, which then come back and bite them. Yeah. Um, just processing someone's complaint. And um, so when people used to come up to the to the you know actual office and you could sit down with them and talk them through it, it just felt like you were being a bit more useful than trying to do it by email or on the yeah. phone. But um, yeah, that was that was an interesting that was a really interesting time. I mean, I, it wasn't you know, it wasn't a, a, a joy, but it was fascinating, really, just trying to understand people and, you know, how people feel when they feel like they've got to, they've been wronged, um, you know, uh, and how it affects everyone around them. I mean, it's quite yeah. a complex, complex it is, thing.
0: It's a massively complex... Yeah. It, I mean, the the, the, the case <clears> that um, I wasn't involved in, but I was kind of involved with it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like the mediator stuck in the middle. Yeah, no, exactly. Oh, that's a, that's got you, a bit I think of you worse probably than.
1: would have been an assisting officer or something, where you? You were an AO for somebody.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, it yeah. was. And, yeah. and I came up and... <laughs> Uh, and and the biggest issue that i had is that um i i knew both sides
1: yes yes
0: yeah <laughs> and, uh, and that's that's the worst possible yeah. position to be in
1: and very often i mean it's never it's never black and white and very um, often there is you know in even, even some of the most clay the complaints that people think are the are ludicrous and people say well that's just a, just a stupid complaint it's ludicrous yeah. But if you <coughs> drill down into it, you'll see that something there's, somewhere there's did go lot, wrong. There's a lot you
0: know. more to it. Yeah. And
1: it's eye. mostly always about communication. Yeah. And um, which is really sad, isn't it? Because, yeah. some, you know, sometimes we're not as good at c- uh, communicating as we think we are. or mm. well, the meaning doesn't get across. Yeah. Yeah. So, fascinating.
0: So, so the fascinating two years. So. so, yeah.
1: So uh, and then, of course, then the the great outdoors comes back into my life because um having you know established now this very regular system of you know children going from me to rob yeah um you know there were periods where you know i didn't have any children to look after at the weekends or um you know sometimes in the holidays and that then enabled me to take advantage of what else was on offer in the army which was adventurous training So, you know, I, I enlivened my human misery work life <laughs> with <laughs> by
0: going away.
1: <laughs> and I went skiing, you know, lots of fair amount of skiing and um and then increasingly sailing, um, mm. which was which was absolutely fantastic. Yeah.
0: So was that the first time you've been sailing?
1: No, I'd done a sailing course. I'd done my competent crew course when I was 26. So just after we got married and um, had a week on the Solent. Um, I can't even remember the type of boat it was, but it wasn't a Vic 34. Um, there were four of us on the boat. An old, really old sea dog skipper from joint services. Um,
0: would, who, they, would they have been the, um, uh, the 32s?
1: I honestly can't. I honestly yeah. can't remember. Um, yeah, it was um, it was a week with no wind. so we because so I mean that's why I never that's why I didn't pick it up I just you know Mm. I just thought this is a bit dull isn't it I mean it's all right but you know you know if I'm going to be on if I'm going to be stuck on a boat in a heat wave, I don't want to (laughs) be stuck on a boat with this you know old old sea dog skipper some arrogant navy young officer and uh, a para that never spoke you know so
0: I just thought I could you know that's unusual for paras. take it or leave it really
1: you know I thought I'd leave it yeah. and then so the next time I went sailing was on a Nick 55 with a well dodgy crew from joint services so <laughs> I, and I was the only girl and it was absolutely hilarious I honestly where did you go? We uh, flew to Thessalonica and then we sailed down to Crete. Oh. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and lots I of have to say, drinking <laughs> copiously most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> on the boat, there was the crew of a Hercules. All right. Oh, about four of them anyway, who <laughs> led me astray <laughs> really quite badly. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, it was really good fun, and the the skipper he doesn't work for Joint Services anymore. It was a guy called George George Richardson, who was an ex ex booty. Mm. and he was outrageous. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> brilliant. But
1: it was good fun, yeah. Yeah, really good fun.
0: So that 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 kind of got you bitten by the yeah, sailing bug. Yeah, that got
1: me bitten by the sailing bug definitely, and so. I went on another couple of. Um, of big boat expeds, on uh, Nick 55s um, to um, Lisbon, to Alicante one year. And uh, also, you know, an attempt to uh, uh, around Britain with an, uh, an infantry crew. That was, yeah, that was entertaining as well. Bet. <laughs> oh, God. So they they were freaked out by the fact that they, they, they needed uh, someone with my qualifications. I think I'd done my day skipper by that stage. Mm. And um, they needed a day skipper. So I, you know, said, yep, I'll, I'll, I'm happily happy to do that. And when I met them in Gosport, they were shocked that I was a woman because they would never <laughs> seen a woman before, apparently <laughs> ever, you know. <laughs> Ty-
0: um, typical infantry types. Yeah. They, they try and keep uh, try to yeah. keep. Uh, Infantry soldiers away from females exactly, in the military.
1: Exactly. Well they used to, they don't have a choice now, obviously. But yeah. um yeah, so they, they were a bit shocked. And then when they found out that I worked for service complaints, they were even more freaked out by that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they were really they were really funny. Yeah. Um and so, you know, we got on the boat and we we sailed and I mean it was fascinating actually because individually, um, they were great really great guys. I mean, a really lovely corporal who was just fascinating, great reader, you know, lots of good chats with him. I got an offer from a young subaltern to see whether I'd like to go up into the fall peak with him for a bit of shenanigans, (laughs) which I turned down, you know. Sorry, that's, you know, that's a good offer for a woman my age, but not today. Um, And, uh, but, you know, as a group, they could be a bit, uh, yeah, they were a bit, they, check, they You know, they change when they're a, a yeah, pack, yeah. don't they? <clears throat> anyway, it was fine. I could have kept my wits about me and, you know, I gave as good as I got. And actually, it was it was quite good fun. And yeah. at the end, the uh, the guy who'd organised it, the subaltern who'd organised it, said to me, well, Jill, he said, we were really worried when we knew we were getting, getting a woman on the boat. <laughs> but, you know, we really think you were the least worst woman we could have sailed with. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a compliment. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Outrageous. clears throat> I know, so yeah, that was that was a good one, mm. uh, and so, then uh, yeah, I suppose, and then uh, another sort of smaller few smaller expeditions, unit expeditions in a you know thick thirty fours and uh, stuff like that, yeah, and um and then I started, um, oh, seemed to be constantly hanging around with pilots of some description or other, and then I ended up ha- um doing a bit of sailing with a neighbor of mine who's a pilot. And his piloty friends who all had boats, mm. and um, you know,
0: you, you know the old story. How do you tell you're in a room with a pilot? You don't he'll, need to. He'll, tell he'll himself. Tell you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um, yeah, and 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 that that really then led to a, a mad idea to buy a boat, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, said neighbour John, and um, so we've been proud owners of Vela. Since twenty sixteen, late twenty sixteen, mm.
0: yeah. So, so
1: with my own boat, then you know, your the, own
0: boat, uh, that you can do lots more sailing with your lots own boat, can't you? Yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what was your first trip that you did once you've got it? Once you've got it sorted out, what did you do with it?
1: What with, with Vella? Vella?
0: Yeah,
1: oh, we went to cows. <laughs> 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 no, we went to Benbridge actually. <laughs> we probably go to Benbridge more than any other place mm. <laughs> um I think you know to, um, when we sail when we sail together or with other people or with other friends I sail with you know we just mainly potter around the Solent mm. you know Vela's a saddler 25 so she's not too big um you know you don't you don't want to have a lot of people on her for very long. <laughs> people like, like to be able to stand up in their boats, funnily enough, yeah, funny old thing. I don't know why.
0: Bizarre behavior. I mean, very bizarre <laughs> behavior.
1: And, um, and so, you know, I think as far as John and I have taken her, have has been to uh, Lulworth Cove, you know, mm. and, and back. Yeah. Um a couple of summers ago. But uh, yeah, she gets used a lot. You know, we yeah. we we sail, sail her a lot, I think.
0: There's no point in having a boat if you're not going to use it. No,
1: exactly. <clears throat> exactly, Tim. You're you're right there. Mm.
0: So let's uh shall we wind this one up? And then what we'll do is we'll come back in and what we'll do, we'll have a, a chat about you around the UK. Yep, yeah, absolutely. You're the boss. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next one.